Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the balance. My name's Tom Marquez El Presidente. Time to kick this thing off that we call the balance every Saturday morning. For the next two hours, I'll be driving the shit through all the channels of sports that we've got going on. And can we get an amen? The NFL is back. And what a game on Thursday night between Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. They've got a good look at some uh, what we probably might even really be uh, an AFC championship team. So we're going to be talking about that today. Joining us today is Mo from the BS Sports Show. is standing by in the balanced green room. He's going to join us and help us uh, break down the return of sports. And maybe maybe things are going to get back to somewhat of normalcy uh, anyway. And then uh, right after him, uh, Kit Sterling from KitSterling.com is going to be talking with us in detail about uh, the Colts and the Jaguars and their return uh, to the NFL, the part of the return of the NFL. I'll get it right. And then uh, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest joins us uh, talking with us uh, from the action down there in Richmond where he's at today. And then uh, Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast joins us, filling in for Ed Kratz, uh to take over the uh, uh, to take over the uh, uh, NFL segment for us today. As Ed is traveling with the Eagles and will be in Washington, and so we'll certainly be talking about that game as well. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight five one six is my digits. We'll be right back, right here on the Balance Radio Network. Right now, I just need you to get real loose, get comfortable, grab your loved ones, or grab your love partner, and if you're by yourself, no worries, just follow after me. Gonna do the two-step, then cowboy The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. 
3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Geico videos, give subscribe a click. I can't believe it. I've been playing 404 with a barbershop quartet. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Marcus Dowell, President Day, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Uh, joining us now is Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, happy Saturday to you. How is you? Well, normally I would be ecstatic because we'd be watching, uh, you know, all kinds of good college football. So I'm just counting down the hours till uh, the NFL tomorrow. I tell you what, I am excited to see the NFL back, but I'm with you, man. I mean, how good would it be to, to sit back and watch some college football and, and it still doesn't look like the Big Ten has, has, has changed anything as far as what's happening. It just it baffles my mind. I guess there's rhyme and reason in somewhere. There's, there's a method to the madness of what's going on, but at some point we have all got to just – just uh, relax a little bit. And I'm not to say that we're not to take this virus seriously as as, as we are, should, and, and it should take it seriously. But I just think that the NFL has proven that you could come back uh, with great strides. Let's talk a little bit about that game on Thursday night. It was a great uh, opener at, at, at Kansas City. Very few fans in the stands, but as, as they showed the the parking lot out there, and again, this is another thing that I just scratched my head about. The parking lot was full of tailgaters, uh, just like it would be on a normal game. And yet, they can't go inside, but they can they can all uh, hang out outside in in the parking lot, which is fine. That's great that they were able to do that for the fans' sake. But it just looks like that there could be a a way to uh, to make everybody happy on that. But let's talk about the Chiefs and the Texans. What a good game that was, and what a good preview what could possibly be an AFC championship team, and that's with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Yeah, you know, uh, Kansas City looks strong, you know, and if, if they count that other touchdown, again, I, I'm so not a proponent of having to keep the ball all the way to the ground in the end zone. If you've got the ball in the end zone, you take a couple steps to me, that was always a touchdown, but that's neither here nor there. You know, Kansas City moved the ball pretty well. Uh, I think they still got issues on the defensive side of the ball. The defense is obviously better than it was uh, last year, but uh, I think they still have some issues on the defensive side of the ball. You know, and, and Houston didn't play bad either. Uh, you know, it, if David Johnson returns to the David Johnson of 2016, that's a pretty potent weapon for them. But you saw as the game wore on that, you know, Deshaun Jackson uh, or uh, Deshaun Watson has no uh, real weapons. Will Fuller. Uh, who's been injured for the majority of his career, uh, you know, and, and the other guys, uh, you know, Randall Cobb uh, and Kenny Stills, guys that, uh, you know, maybe have lost a step or two. Uh, so, it to me, it, it was a fun game. It, the team that won should have won, uh, and they covered the spread, which was uh, all I cared about, uh, I think, at that point. Well, and, I, and I, one of the things that I that I noticed, and, and maybe you did too, that it, or maybe it just felt different. It didn't seem like that the that the refs were calling a lot of penalties. It kind of felt like that they were just kind of letting them go out there and play. And I think that added to, and we've talked about this before, added to how the quality and value of the game. Yeah, you know, I, I what it was, you know, seven minutes, eight minutes in before we saw the first penalty. Uh, and, you know, maybe the game moves faster. There's a lot less offsides calls, obviously, because of the lack of crowd noise. I will give those, you know, 17,000, 18,000 fans credit in Kansas City. They made them sound – they sounded louder than that. But I think you'll see a lot less, uh, you know, offsides penalties maybe this year or uh, or false start penalties with, uh, you know, with the lack of crowd noise. You know, that's one thing that uh, a lot of offensive guy, offensive line guys will tend to a uh, false start because they don't hear the snap count. So – uh, the game did move at a much quicker pace. I was surprised how quickly it got over. Yeah, and were, were we surprised at the 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 strength and the domination of the Kansas City tree, Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? No, I mean, you know, I, I'm shocked that they they didn't score more. Honestly, I mean, uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, like we thought, uh, is going to be a rock star in that offense. Uh, you know, he he's, was so hard to tackle at LSU, and I think it's going to be the same uh, in the NFL. Uh, Mahomes uh, and Watson both proved that they can throw the ball from, you know, pretty much anywhere, anytime, any angle. You know, uh, uh, Mahomes, we've seen him for years, but uh, Sean Watson had that pass uh, uh, in the second quarter where he jumped up in the air and threw the ball while he was, you know, midair, which was, you know, pretty damn special. It, it's sad for me to, to not see – as a Colts fan, it's not sad, but for for Deshaun Watson, a fan of football, it's sad to not see him have a threat like DeAndre Hopkins because he is so good, too. Uh, but, uh, no, I mean, Kansas City is the team to beat, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of hubbub about, uh, about Tampa Bay and, and the defense of the 49ers, but Kansas City is the team to beat. Uh, I think everybody in the world knows that at this point. So you know, let's let's just talk about the elephant in the room, and and I think that I think that it was it was handled very tastefully, and I I was talking to others. I said, you know, the pregame, the national anthem, you know, we thought was going to be, be a big spectacle. The 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 Texans decided as a whole, as a team, to not come out during the anthem, which is 
you know, I'm completely fine if teams don't want to come out and, and, and do the anthem. And there was only I only saw one kneeler, and there was a sign of unification. Uh, and so, but there was also some comments made in the broadcast booth that wasn't necessarily appreciated in, in social media. But I think as a whole, uh, the NFL, the the Chiefs, and the Texans handled this time of sensitivity very well. Yeah, I mean, I would encourage everybody. I read an article yesterday. Normally, I'm not a fan of outkick the coverage, but uh, Jason Whitlock wrote a, a very – What? Yeah, you? No, yeah. no, 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 Mo. You just said the word. Yeah. You know what a big fan I am well, of outkick. But go right ahead. I'm just rousing with you. Go ahead. I, I, I find that sometimes uh, Clay Travis plays too much political because I – and I, I don't care anybody's views politically – the only thing that uh, I don't like is mixing politics with my sports because that's what I use to escape, mm. you know. So, yeah. uh, but Whitlock wrote a really mm. good article yesterday, and he, you know, a lot yeah. of people had given people uh, stuff about uh, the booing that went on in Kansas City during the thing of unity. And uh, Jason Whitlock's point was, let's make it about unity and not make it about this lives matter or that. You know, he mm. wants to make it about unity, and I think that that's the case. The Miami Dolphins put a statement out. Uh, led by their head coach, uh, Brian Flores, the other day, that the reason that they're going to stay in the locker room for both of the uh, the anthems and both of the songs that are played is they don't want to feed into just the social media pressure of it, it, if, of it just being a show. If there's going to be real unity and real discussions, they're down for that. But otherwise, they're not going to be part of a media pressure or a public pressure uh, to do this or do that or what have you. Uh, you know, where as the camera didn't need to continue to focus on the one guy kneeling the other night during the national anthem, but it did for a lot of it. So they don't want to feed into it. So the Miami Dolphins have decided to stay in the locker room for the whole thing as well. Uh, you know, there's feelings on both sides. There is obviously a need for change, uh, you know, socially in this country. There's been a need for hundreds of years. Uh, I think people need to realize that it's not going to happen overnight, but we need, do need to take steps. Uh, to do it, and athletes do have a platform, but I think they need to be careful uh, who they or what they align themselves with. I'm all for uh, 100% for uh, athletes preaching unity. Uh, I thought the show at the middle of the field for the unity was great, uh, but let's just not make it a political show. You know, I, I know some people were upset with all the uh, political type messages that were on the scoreboard during that. You want to make it about unity? I'm awesome. That's 100% awesome. I'm for unity all day long. Let's keep the political side out of it. You know, and I do agree with that. And, and you know, you mentioned Clay Travis. I, I joke with you. I'm a big Clay Travis fan. I have been for years. And I like Jason Whitlock. I mean, heck, he's from Indiana. He's from Indianapolis. Uh, and, and he knows his stuff. And it's a good partnership between the two of them because the two of them will both uh, publicly admit that they don't agree uh, on everything. And they don't have to agree on everything, but I doubt that that they are they are now partners and co-owners of of the Outkick coverage uh, brand. And I think uh, bringing Jason Whitlock was on. And you're right, I heard the very same uh, thing that, that that you're that you're talking about. Um, but yeah, it just it, it just in in in, in all fairness, uh, I got to defend my boy a little bit here. He says that he doesn't like to bring up politics or politics. Sports have, have had a head-on collision, and they are a lot. When we talking about the Big Ten, for example, there's a lot of politics being played there. Unfortunately, it's just it's just part of what we're, we're the world we're in right now. I know we only got you for a little bit more time here, but the NFL kickoff uh, on on uh, 
Thursday night had a very unique camera angle, and I and I didn't really I didn't recognize it until they started talking about it. And then I recognized it. Then it stuck out. And it was like really hey, that is an awesome camera angle, and that that's the overhead replay uh, graphic type uh, camera. What you think about that? I thought it was pretty cool, but on the other hand, had they not started talking about it, I, I guess I would have even noticed it. I think people didn't notice it at first. It is reminiscent more of a video game type camera angle, and I like it. I also like this year a lot, uh, at least during the you know broadcasts that I've watched of the, uh, the the Cubs. They've done a lot. They've showed sometimes during the pitch from the camera behind the umpire, which I thought was really cool too. So I like the fact that uh, some of these leagues are experimenting with new camera angles. You know, and there's been times that the NFL has done other camera angles, the NBA as well, and they've realized that they haven't worked. So they've gone away from it quickly. But I like the fact that they're willing to experiment to try to give you the best at-home, uh, you know, thing that you can have. And, you know, and that's – and honestly, Tom, it, I love going to games, don't get me wrong, but the NFL has gotten so good uh, for an at-home experience. It, it's hard for me at times to justify spending money to take the family to a game because the, uh, you know, the coverage is so good. I'll have – you know, like I'll, I'll watch the Colts on one television and have red zone point on the other. So while it's – Nothing will ever uh, double the uh, what it's like to go to a game and be there in person. The experience at home that the NFL has put together for people is pretty damn good. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Real quickly, where do the Pacers go for a coach? What, who are they? Who are they looking at? Who do you think they're gonna? Who, who do you think they're gonna uh, take a take a, uh, a grab at? I mean, I've thought for years, even before they hired Nate McMillan, that Mark Jackson was the guy for that job. Uh, you know, he, he had success with Golden State. Let's be honest, Steve Kerr won a championship with, with his team, but Steve Kerr took him over the hump. I know originally when they let Nate McMillan go that Mike D'Antoni uh, was uh, somebody that they were very interested in if the, if the Rockets don't uh, re-sign him. And the thing is, is that, you know, the Pacers uh, for years now have wanted to score more points. You know, they, uh, Frank Vogel was a very defensive-minded coach, and the Pacers won that way. Uh, but, you know, after they let him go, it, they, they wanted to score more points, and that's been their thing for a long time is trying to, you know, put 125 to 140 points in a game. And they just don't have the players to do that. Uh, so I don't know that Mike D'Antoni would be the fit for that. I know uh, Chauncey Billups has been interested in the job, and he's been spoken about the last couple of days. Uh, but, you know, I think they, they need to take their time and find the guy that's really going to fit the type of team. They're not going to be a team full of, you know, uh, of superstars. They're not going to have a, a three-headed monster like other teams because that's just not going to happen in Indianapolis. A, they're not going to spend the money. We've learned, uh, you know, from reports that came out about Paul George, one of the reasons he wouldn't leave, and Larry Bird left because they weren't willing to spend the money. And, and then attracting guys there. So I think you've got to find a coach that teams want to come play for. I mean – Honestly, if I were the Pacers, I would I would make a very hard push uh, for Greg Popovich. I don't think he's going to coach again, but I know they do like Becky Hammonds, who was the uh, assistant head coach of the uh, uh, of the San Antonio Spurs, and that could be a, a huge coup. Not only the first uh, women's head coach in the NBA, but she's people. I don't think people realize what a damn good coach she is, and has sat under Greg Popovich now for many years. So that could be the way they look as well. Uh, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see which way they go. And with the coach they hire, I think you'll know the direction they're looking at for next year. Well, you know, it, it would be it would be neat maybe to have the Pacers as part of a, of a history that would be forever known as the team that hired the first head co- female head coach. But there's just something about me, and I don't know. Maybe it's just being a Hoosier, and maybe it's just. 
I don't know. It just seems like that that insert team. Uh, if you're from Indiana, you're not going to be those teams that make those kind of uh, groundbreaking history making decisions. But you, you're right. You're right. She she would be a good coach, and I and but we would we would see. But I I you know. One of the things I think they got to be careful about is thinking that they have an NBA championship team already in the lineup and all they need is the right coach. When you say that's a, a, the fair assessment and that's the final word, yeah. I know you got a boogie, sir. They, they, by, they by no means have a NBA championship squad. They have a first round, second round at best team right now. Uh, they, they're going to have to spend some money. And they, they overspent a little bit on Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's a very good player, but I don't think he was worth the max they gave him. Um, you know, so they've got to try to lure a, a top-line free agent if possible, or they've got to continue to make uh, very good draft picks who turn in the stars. You know, I know a lot of folks have, have wanted uh, the Pacers to pursue Reggie Miller. And, you know, A, TV is a very cushy job. Uh, you know, being a coach is a lot more of a commitment. Uh, but, you know, great players a lot of times don't make good head coaches. Larry Bird kind of bucked that trend a little bit. Yeah. Magic Johnson, not a good head coach. Uh, Michael Jordan couldn't do it because they expect too much, and they expect everybody on that team to work as hard as they do or, or did and be as competitive as they are or did. So Reggie Miller was so competitive that I don't know that he would make a good head coach. So uh, for people who are wanting that to happen – if you get your wish, I don't know that you'll be happy with the results. It didn't work for Magic. It didn't work for a lot of these uh, these top line players just because it's so hard for them to to not have everybody play at that high level. But the Pacers need to to figure out some things to do in the off season because their team right now is a you know an eighth seed uh, to fifth seed type team, and it's not a championship team right now. Mo, as always, we greatly appreciate you jumping on and, and spending a few minutes of your Saturday with us to help us understand the, the sports world a little bit better. Uh, where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? Well, I try to crap out a Masterpiece at least once a day on my Twitter <laughs> account, at Mo Radio Show. Sure. Sounds good, buddy. Have yourself a good Saturday, sir. All right. Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, joins us. Uh, I know he told me that he only had a few minutes this morning, and, and we probably uh, went overtime with him a little bit on that. So uh, appreciate him jumping on with this. You know, we we are talking about the NFL coming back, and you know, it, we a great game that we had on Thursday night between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. And you know, I, I think that in lieu of it all, there, we knew that that it could have been a lot worse spectacle, if you will. Uh, with with uh, the game on Thursday, with the protests and, and the sensitivity that we have, and I don't think it, it went there. And, and I think if we can handle it, I'm totally okay because, you know what, I would rather you just stay in the locker room and, 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 and not draw a spectacle to yourself because there are a lot of people in this country who, who value our flag and the national anthem. If you don't want to be a part of that, well, I guess that's on you. But at the same time, I, I, I think that, that, you know, it was handled respectfully. It was, yeah, there, I, I could probably point to a half a dozen things that I wish I hadn't seen. But it doesn't mean that I have to let it ruin my NFL season or that I have to let it ruin my, my game. And, and um, 
we are going to have to think very hard about having Mo back on again after his comments about my boy Clay Travis. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Of course I'm kidding. I, I love Clay Travis. I've been a fan of his for, for a good number of years. And uh, I, I do really encourage everybody to go listen to him. I'll kick the coverage. Uh, but this new partnership that he has with Jason Whitlock, which is from Indianapolis, I think he went to Warren Central, I think, or Lawrence N- East. Anyway, he went to high school here. He went to Ball State. He played football for Ball State. Uh, and uh, so uh, he certainly is a Hoosier at heart. Uh, but he's, he's certainly been a part of the national media for, you know, well over the last decade, I guess. And as has, has was a part of Fox Sports for the longest times. And I think he was even part of, um, oh, the, I, the show that he was on that he just recently left. And when he left that show, uh, he partnered up with Clay Travis and their co-owners or partners. There's a there's an ownership uh, part of the Outkick brand uh, with Jason Whitlock, and Jason Whitlock knows his stuff about sports. and And Mo made a very good point. I heard the very very same conversation yesterday uh, that that he had. And so, you know, it, here's the thing: it we're we're living in a society where we're not you're not going to make anybody happy. Everybody's not going to be happy. So if we can figure out a way to, to uh, compromise and get on with the game, I'm all for it. And so hopefully the big 10, when they, uh, I think it's today or tomorrow or Monday over the next couple of days, I know they're going to do a revote. And I hope that they've had enough pressure on them uh, that that revote turns out to be a, uh, positive uh outcome if you if you will and it, you know it, it's just it, other colleges are playing football uh but the big 10 one of the, the the biggest college divisions in in the nation you know um are should be playing should be playing football and and not just because i'm an iu fan but but the big 10 is a big significant part of college football and if other big college football divisions can find a way to play and to make it work, so can the Big Ten. And, you know, we want to see that Ohio State and, and Michigan game. We want to see, you know, the Indiana-Ohio State game. We want to see uh, the we want to see Indiana and Kentucky play, even though Kentucky's not in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, we want to see – the Purdue, the Indiana games. We want to see uh, the Iowa and Nebraska games. We want to see those big competitive uh, uh, games that we see every year that, that hopefully hopefully they can figure it out. My name is Tom Marcos. El Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network, and we'll be back with Kit Sterling. I'm going to be talking about the return of the Colts, and uh, we'll, we'll get into some more conversations about uh, the return of the NFL right here on the Balance Radio Network. Yeah. 
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Quick stop, midnight tea top, Jack and her cherry coke pen. Mama and daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke. All right, welcome back to the balance. My name is Tom Marcus, El Presidente, 917-889-8516, their digits. Uh, thanks to Mo for the BS Sports Show for helping us kick things off and uh, get to get things going. But joining us now is Kit Sterling from KitSterling.com. Kit, how are you, sir? Happy Saturday to you. Uh-huh. I'm great, Tom. How are you? Fantastic. Never better. I mean, we've got the NFL back. At least, at least that's something that we can that we can grab a hold of. What are your thoughts uh, about the the Chiefs and the and the Texans on on Thursday? I think we got a really good glimpse of what could be a uh, an AFC Championship team, and that's with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it could be, but it's way too early. I mean, I've seen a lot of stories online where people are saying, you know what, they're going to go 16-0. and They're going to win the Super Bowl. They won one game, and they beat a team that's kind of self-immolated. Uh, you know, I mean, DeAndre uh-huh. Hopkins gone, who is arguably their best offensive weapon, and, and their defense not quite as good. And so you've got a Chiefs team that kind of ran roughshod on, over them and won 34-20. You know, I, I'm not ready to crown him just yet. It's still September. You know, one of the things that we were talking about in the last segment was that we we felt like, or at least I felt like, that 
that there wasn't as many penalties. I think it was, what, 12 minutes in before we saw the first penalty, and maybe a lot of that has to do with the lack of crowd noise, and and so uh, uh, refs are able to hear and see things a little bit better. But I kind of felt like they, they said, let's just play some football. Yeah, and I wasn't that nice? That's so nice. Oh, it's very nice. Watch, you know, it, it, nobody wants to see a bunch of penalties thrown. And, and you know what? I think that that there's something good about not having a preseason. Uh, I spent some time talking to the Colts about this, and they're really, really happy. The players are healthier than they've been ever going into the opener. They feel really good about their level of preparation. And, and they said that a lot of it has to do with the number of reps they're able to get in practice and the number of practices they've been able to have because there hasn't been travel to the preseason games. They haven't had a day of rest prior to preseason games or a, a day after to kind of decompress. They've just gotten a chance for a month and a half to work really, really hard at doing the stuff they need to get done to be able to be ready to play. Well, I tell you what, it was just exciting to see football uh, come back, and we'll get into this in a minute here about the Big Ten and and others – football teams that can come back. Uh, they had limited fans there. The Colts are going to have limited fans. Let's talk a little bit. Let's break down uh, the Colts of Jacksonville. The Colts season has started. Uh, they'll be kicking off tomorrow down in Jacksonville. And I think the Colts, I mean, I really do think the Colts have everything in place to to, to have a good season. We've talked about Philip Rivers before. And I think that, that he's going to – I know a lot of Colts fans aren't uh, Philip Rivers fans, but I think that a, a couple Ws under the – underneath the belt will change the tune of a lot of people. The Colts down in Jacksonville, uh, let's break that down. You know what? A couple of L's have changed the tune of a lot of people too, yeah. Tom. And True. So we, they still got to play the game. There's no Leonard Fournette. There's no Ngakwe. There's no Clayus Campbell. They, they've really kind of taken a blowtorch to their roster in a lot of ways. They still have Gardner Minshew, but they're not necessarily really happy with him. This is one of the worst teams in the NFL, ranked consistently uh, among those services that do these things like ESPN and CBS as either the 31st or 32nd best team in the NFL or the first or second worst team in the NFL, I guess. And uh, so if the Colts can't get this done with Phillip Rivers, and Phillip Rivers has been really, really good against the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, 7-1 over his eight games against the Jaguars, uh, put up more than 30 points in six of those games has really kind of had his way with Jacksonville. And I know all these rosters are not consistent and the coaching staffs aren't either, but for some reason rivers has been really, really good against the Jaguars and the Colts are really healthy. I I got a little bit worried on Thursday when we heard that Quentin Nelson hadn't practiced Mm -hmm. Thursday and he had a back issue because back issues can be finicky, but he was Mm -hmm. back full go yesterday and other than Julian Blackman, everybody should be available on that 53-man roster. And this is really the first time in a long time that the Colts have had that luxury. I think the Colts go down there. I think they win. I think they cover. I'm taking the over. I'm all about the Colts in this game. I think it's a really, really favorable matchup in so many ways, despite the fact that the Colts haven't won their season opener since 2012, right, or 13. It's been a long time since they won an opener. I think they're they're one in nineteen or one in nine or something like that for season openers. 
Pierce Campbell, I like him. Pierce Campbell and Phillip Rivers, I think, will be a dynamic duo, not only in week one, uh, but in weeks uh, uh, coming. I hope so, and I hope Paris can stay healthy. He's had a run of bad luck that included a car accident on his way to practice yes. a couple of weeks ago during camp where he had a concussion and went through the protocol. Uh, but he's a dynamic guy. He's obviously really, really fast. He came out of Ohio State, maybe thought of a little bit more highly than his teammate Terry McLaurin. McLaurin, of course, out of Cathedral mm-hmm. High School in Indianapolis. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Campbell is a guy where it's sort of, you know, he's got all the tools, but he, he's got to show them on the field. And if he doesn't, you, you really think that maybe the Colts have to find, you know, I don't know, maybe Des Patman is the, is the guy. they got to find a third weapon, and he is that third weapon. And hopefully they can find a way to get him to football in space and, and turn that speed loose. You know, one of the one of the things that we like to to, to look at in in that special teams, Adam Vinatieri isn't going to be a part of the Colts, even though it, you know it, it was time for it to happen. You know, it's it's unfortunate, but it was it was time for it to happen, and and I think there was it, there was no surprises that the Colts didn't re-sign Adam Vinatieri too. So, a quick question: Where where do the Colts going to go without Vinatieri? I, I mean. Uh, I forgot who who won the job, but uh, how's he going to do? And is Vinatieri going to go into the broadcast booth? I, you know, I don't know whether Adam Vinatieri is a really good candidate for a broadcasting job. You kind of get a vibe about these guys when you talk to him in the locker room, and you knew that Pat McAfee was going to be a broadcaster. You knew that mm-hmm. the first 15 minutes you talked to him. Adam Vinatieri, I think, has made his money. I think he enjoys his lifestyle. He likes to hunt. He likes to fish. He likes South Dakota, despite the fact that his family still lives here in central Indiana. They've got a place in Zionsville. His son plays football at Zionsville High School. Uh, But Rodrigo Blankenship is the guy who won the kicking job out of Georgia. He's a rookie. And the thing that that kind of strikes me as odd, as I deal with people on social media, as we all do, is they say, well, he's going to be worth three games this season because we don't have Vinatieri anymore and we've got Rodrigo. Well, nobody's seen Rodrigo kick. He hadn't made an NFL field goal yet. He's about 599 made field goals behind Adam Vinatieri. Mm -hmm. Vinatieri. So even with the season that Vinatieri had last year, assuming that Blankenship is going to be a huge upgrade and is going to put the the, uh, the Bears, the Colts to the point where they uh, (laughs) – Where they win, you know, 10 games instead of seven, I think is preposterous. We'll see how the kid does. I know they love him, and the the ball comes off his foot really, really nicely. It kind of explodes off of there. He's a quirky dude, plays with the Legos. You know, he's kind of, I think the NFL kickers, he's kind of what the Hanson brothers in Slapshot were to hockey. (laughs) <laughs> well, we'll see what he does. When one of the, the things that, that I think that, that the Colts will do against the Jacksonville Jaguars, they'll, they'll show that they have the ability to win from a lot of different angles. And one of those angles is going to be uh, for special teams. But And even though we know that, that uh, uh, Frank Wright isn't going to reveal all his secret weapons or, or, or uh, Inspector Gadget weapons uh, uh, tomorrow, one weapon, though, I think that will have several opportunities from uh, the special teams, and that's not Naheem Hines. I think he's going to be an an excellent 
part of a Colts victory tomorrow? Well, you know what? What I really hope for with Naheem Hines, and he's worked really hard at this, is I hope he can hang out at the damn football. Because the first thing you've got to do in special teams is make sure you don't turn the ball back over. And Naheem Hines' hands have not been as secure as you would necessarily like them in a return guy, or he would have had that job as a rookie. And during spring, er, during uh, you know training camp, and then in the preseason, he showed himself not to be capable of holding on to the football at a really high level. He is a wonderful dude. He's got great speed. He's really, really good at what he does uh, if he can hold on to the football. That's my only worry about the guy. And, and I think that Tom Rathman, as his position coach uh, with running backs, he puts such a priority on holding on to the football and not fumbling. I think Naheem Hines is going to take a step forward, like you said, and be a dynamic guy without turning the ball over. You know, one guy that I'm that I like, and I've always been a fan of tight ends with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, but he's this guy is actually being compared a lot to Dallas Clark. Now, remember, Dallas Clark had Peyton Manning, uh, but Mo Alley Cox has Philip Rivers. But a lot of people are comparing his ability to that of Dallas Clark. Wow, I, I think that that's a. Uh... I, I think they would have thrown it a lot more often to Mo Ali Cox last year if, if he had that kind of ability. He had very few targets last year. Granted, that was with Brissett as the quarterback, and we know that Phillip Rivers is a guy who loves to target tight ends. He And, you know, I'm not sure which did which for who, but he either put Antonio Gates in the Hall of Fame or Antonio Gates has put Phillip Rivers in the conversation as being a Hall of Famer. Uh, Mo has the biggest hands I've ever seen. They are huge. They're like highlight cestas. They his fingers. They look to be about 18 inches long. They like you throw a football up to that dude, he's going to come down with it. It looks like. I I hope that that happens for him because like Naheem Hines and virtually everybody in the locker room, uh, you know we don't get to be in there this fall because of COVID. But in the last few years, being in that locker room and seeing the upgrades that Chris Ballard's made in terms of personalities in the locker room and in terms of just guys being good dudes, Mo Ali Cox is really among those guys. He's a terrific guy, and it's a terrific locker room. We can't forget about Jack Doyle as a tight end target. Trey Burton they brought in with his injury history. And this is, Tom, I think one of the, one of the ways – you can kind of look at Mo Ali Cox as a guy that they're not necessarily going to look at for a million targets is that they brought in Trey Burton knowing that Burton has a long litany of issues with injury and he's not going to open the season uh, for the Colts on the active roster because of an injury. And they felt the need to spend some money, go get Trey Burton, despite the fact that they had Mo Ali Cox. So I'm not sure how involved Mo's going to be. But what a good dude and what great hands, great athletic ability, being a, a college basketball player. One of those converts, just like Antonio Gates was, played terrific basketball at Kent State and then came into the NFL and, you know, wow. I mean, he's if you're going to put together a list of the top five tight ends of all time receiving tight ends, Antonio Gates is on it. So the Colts uh, go what and what, and do they win the AFC South Championship? 
I think they're going to win the AFC South. And, you know, I don't know why this is, but locally we tend to see this team as being a whole lot better than the national guys do. And every single year we look at the national guys and say, well, they just don't know. They don't get it. Last year, a lot of local guys picked the Colts to go 10-6 and six or 11-5. and five. The national guys were saying 6-10, and 7-9. and nine. Well, guess who is right? This year, though, I think the Colts, what they've got going for them is the easiest schedule, at least on paper, in the NFL. Playing in the AFC South helps because you get two wins, or they should be wins, against the Jaguars, and at worst, you should split against the Titans and Texans. You play against the NFC North. So that's the Bears. The Bears suck. The Vikings, they're okay. The Packers, they got a chance to be pretty good. The Lions, they're probably going to suck. You've got games against the Raiders. Raiders, not terribly good. The Jets, Jets aren't terribly good. In fact, they're bad. You've got a lot of of mediocre to bad teams on this schedule, and maybe three teams that you look at in, in Baltimore and Green Bay and uh, oh, there's an oh in Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh, where you say, you know what, these are games that we're probably going to lose. I think that given the schedule, given the health of this roster as it stands right now, given the offensive line, given Philip Rivers as a game manager, and that defense is likely to take a step forward with DeForest Buckner at the D tackle spot at that three technique, I think the Colts got to win 11 games, and if they don't you really start to take a look at Chris Ballard and say, okay, we're four years in. When the hell does this start? When do we start winning games? Because the time's now. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And, and I, I, I'm excited to, to see this. And, and, and one of the naysayers with, uh, about Re- Philip Rivers, I, I encourage people to, to know this, that the Colts uh, is probably is the best offensive line that Philip Rivers have ever had. And he was able to succeed in mediocre offensive lines in San Diego and L.A. Uh, so I think that we're going to be okay with, with, uh, with Philip Rivers. But no matter the outcome, whether we win the AFC South, we go to the playoffs, or we, go, we don't go to the playoffs or from there, is it, no matter what side of the coin it lands on, is, is Philip Rivers a one-year quarterback? I, I, well, it depends on which Philip Rivers you get, right? If you get Philip Rivers as a game manager with this team that doesn't turn the ball over and, and knows how to kind of dump it to the flat, dump it to his backs, or, or tight ends or underneath routes by receivers, you, you got a chance to, to kind of move this forward into a second year. But if he's the Philip Rivers from last year where the Chargers went 5-11 and 11 and he threw 20 picks, or, or he's the guy that maybe he was – and I know we talk about the offensive line with the Chargers and, and that defense for the Chargers, and a quarterback doesn't win games on his own. But five of the last six years with the Chargers, the Chargers didn't go to the playoffs. And that's, that, some responsibility for that is borne by Phillip Rivers. Well, what a great dude. The way he talks, he enjoys talking to the media at a level I've never seen mm-hmm. a professional athlete enjoy it. He's a good interview, so that's I hope sure. that he's here. Yeah, I hope that he's here for more than one year. But we're kind of, you know, as fans and as media, we're sort of writing checks based on Philip Rivers to win games that he had been able to cash five of the last six years. Two years ago, the Chargers, they go 12-4. and four, They win a game in the playoffs. But that's it. That's his only success in the last six years 
and he's got to be better than that, and the Colts have to finish better than that, or people are going to start taking a hard look, and they should, at the way this Colts team is put together. Well, I can tell you one thing. There's a lot of Colts fans that wasn't happy that Phillip Rivers is here. So I hope I hope that everything turns around <laughs> and, and it, it turns for, for the good. You know, I know you're familiar with the region, and you were talking about the Bears sucking. Just one one question. What were the Bears thinking about sticking with Mitchell Trubisky? Or maybe maybe behind the scenes, uh, Nick Foles truly is the best backup quarterback that's ever ever played the game. Well, I, I think that part of the – Part of the process of making that decision is understanding that Nick Foles has a tough time staying healthy for an entire season. So if if you're going to start Foles, at some point he's probably going to get hurt, and then you've got to put Trubisky in as the guy who's going to save the season. So why not start with Trubisky and then bring Foles in at some other point if Trubisky kind of wobbles? I Although maybe it's Ryan Pace just saying, look, um, you know, I drafted this guy. We traded up a spot to get him. I'm going to ride him until I get fired. Maybe that's part of it. It, it. That organization is so frustrating. I'm from Chicago. I grew up yeah. a Bears fan. To watch this thing be mismanaged at the level that it is is just heartbreaking to me. Uh, it, it, to, to, to compile the number of defensive weapons that they have, yeah, to go out and get a guy like Khalil Mack, to go get a guy like Robert Quinn, who is capable of 20 sacks, and then have them coached by Chuck Pagano makes about as much sense as what they did in the 80s when Buddy Ryan went to the Eagles as the head coach and left the D.C. position open, and they filled it with, with Vince Tobin, who had as, as much right to coach that great defense as, uh, as I did. You know, Vince Tobin, a safety-first guy, bend-don't-break guy, and he had a bunch of rabid dogs who wanted to go get the quarterback, and he he turned them off. He put them on leashes, and that's what Pagano does. You know, Pagano, he's not a get-after-the-quarterback kind of guy, and all the Bears have done is go out and get get-after-the-quarterback kind of guys. I, I don't understand it. I, I think that what the Bears have done over the past 40 years, has or 35 years, has been mostly embarrassing with with a few exceptions, and I think that embarrassment's going to continue. Ken Sterling from KenSterling.com. One more final thing. You know, we were talking about Chicago, but Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune says that the Big Ten is ready and set for a revote. Uh, could happen as soon as tomorrow, but maybe not till one day next week. I think there's been so much pressure from the president of the United States, uh, from national uh, people like Clay Travis, and just from a lot of people that the Big Ten might, especially since we see the Pac-12 and a lot of the other divisions are beginning to backpedal and say, you know, maybe we can have a season. I think it is the most one of the, the most important messages in college football right now is for the Big Ten to revote that they can come back and play and everything can be worked out and we can worry about the fans being in the stands and and all these other things but I I think that if you look at the ACC is able to play and it's so bizarre because it's not a state like mandated thing it's not a government governor for example a governor Hoka type thing Uh, but you've got we
I'm here. I'm sorry. Something weird was going on in my ears. You know how that happens sometimes. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> no. So I just find it weird. Like, for example, IU and Purdue can't play, but Indiana State, for example, could play. So how important is it for the Big Ten uh, to revote and say, let's play some football? You know, I really wish that Kevin Warren had been the kind of leader who could have told the presidents, look, let's not make a decision now. Let's not take this vote. Let's not go 11 to 3 in favor of not playing. Let's take our foot off the gas and let's 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 tap the brakes and figure things out in a couple of weeks. Because I think if he would have done that, they would have put themselves in a position where, without embarrassment, they could have said, "Okay, we're going to go in early October," and they could have made that work. And they wouldn't look like the embarrassment of college athletics. What they did was rely on a leader who maybe wasn't ready to lead and let the presidents run roughshod over him and just turn the machine off rather than be prudent about it and make a decision with, with circumspection and with information that is both accurate and timely. And I think over the last month what we've seen is an advancing in the testing and the immediacy of the testing. And if, if the testing can be, okay, here's a swab, we're going to find out in 15 minutes when you, whether you test positive or not, then things become much safer. Then if you've got to have a lab there and you're shipping stuff off to Salt Lake City or something like that and getting the, uh, getting the tests evaluated and getting the results back in three to five days when the genie's already out of the bottle. If you can figure out a way to get immediate results, there's really no reason not to play football. The safety aspect kind of drifts away. And you can play. And, and I think that's where we've moved in, during the last month. And so I think it is important for the Big Ten to get back together, although it sounds like some of the schools are pretty intractable, and like Rutgers. Rutgers' president spoke the other day and said that he's very comfortable not playing. You, you've got to get, I think, unanimity among these schools. You've got to be 14 nothing, Because if you're not 14 nothing, and somehow, some way, a couple of kids get COVID, and God forbid, they're taken from us because of COVID. These presidents are going to look like profit mongers, and it's not going to be a good look, especially the way they've handled this. So I think they've got to be unanimous, not just nine votes, which is what's mandated, but they've got to have a unanimous vote, 14 nothing, in favor of rebooting the season, and I think it's important that they do. And I think it's important that they do it in October because if not in October, then what is the point? Playing spring football while everybody else is playing fall football is idiotic and pointless and makes no sense. They got to get it going in October and they need to find a way to be able to do that. And that's what leadership does. Leadership finds a solution to a problem. And the solution to this problem was not flipping the switch to off. No, I totally, I totally agree. And you know, I, I think that we should take the, this virus very seriously. I, I really do. But at the same time, I, I think we, we can't play into the fear porn world, if you will. And, and, but Michigan, they said, you know, hey, you know what? We're not going to play. We're not going to play. So I don't know that we're going to get that unanimous vote, what you're talking about there, uh, Kent. So we'll certainly see what happens, and we'll be watching it for sure. Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com. Kent, what, what are you working on this week? Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? 
Well, we're trying to figure out who the Pacers' next coach is going to be. We're talking about <laughs> the Colts every day. We're talking about the idiocy of the Big Ten. And, and we're talking about the dope of dopes in sports media, uh, Skip Bayless, and, and what a disgrace he is to the, in, to the business of sports media and, and to those who try to practice it responsibly. You know, I'm glad you brought – we were just talking with Mo from the uh, BS Sports Show in the first segment about uh, the Pacers' new head coach. What direction do you think that they should go? And, I, and, I, and one of the things that I think the Pacers organizations needs to, to be very careful about when selecting this coach, they should be under the mindset that they have the team to win an NBA championship and all they need is a, is a, is a, is a good head coach. Well, I, I think they're also a player away, a really, really good player away. Um, but I'm going Chauncey Billups. I, I think Chauncey Billups, from everybody I've spoken to with any tether to the NBA whatsoever, they have always spoken about what an outstanding leader he is, what a good communicator, how he always held his teammates accountable for their behavior, and how he really willed that 2004 Detroit Pistons team to a championship. I think Billups is my guy. I think it's important that they interview Becky Hammond and they put her in a position to get a job at some point in the future. But I don't know whether now is the time for Becky Hammond to break that glass ceiling. Kent Sterling from the KentSterling.com. Kent, you always elevate our show to the next level. I appreciate you uh, uh, joining us today <laughs> and, well, and, 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 and chatting with us. Thank you. Uh, you. You have yourself a, a good weekend. Where can people find you working masterpieces, sir? Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure to join you. Thank you. You have yourself a good day. You too. Kent Sterling of KentSterling.com, a guy I've known for a good number of years. I appreciate him uh, jumping on this morning and talking with us. You can find him at uh, Kent Sterling, and at KentSterling.com we'll have his information up on uh, the, the social media world here. My name is Sal Marcus El Presidente. Right around the corner, we're going to be talking some NASCAR, maybe a little bit of IndyCar with Steve Wilson. Speedway Digest, who uh, is down in Richmond, Virginia, uh, and is going to be talking about the, the, the racing this weekend uh, right here on the Balance Radio Network. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind. I can see through this and see what's behind Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying But I'm only human after all I'm only human after all Don't put your blame on me Don't put your blame on me Take a look in the mirror and what do you see? The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition, 
to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, it's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. We're halfway through. We thank you so much to Mo from the BS Sports Show and Ken Sterling from KenSterling.com for joining us in the first hour. But joining us now uh, from the great state of Virginia, Mr. Uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. How is you, sir? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Fantastic. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning. Looks like we're going to get some rain here uh, in in the Indianapolis metro area today. Uh, So did you get the race in last night? Were you able to to survive the the raindrops? Yeah, I've been able to survive them uh, the last couple of nights. It's supposed to have been raining and uh, was able to get it in. I guess I'm lucky and and uh, kind of stayed off in the distance, and we had a, uh, there was a few green drops they said that fell last night, but nothing nothing big, nothing that seemed to impact the race or uh, the surface or anything. So uh, you know they were lucky out there. So you're, they're at your home track this weekend, so not a lot of big, heavy traveling for you, so that's always a good thing when you can be at home. But to talk with us a little bit about the Richmond race. Of course, we've got the Xfinity race uh, today. Uh, and, and talk with us about race weekend there in, in Richmond. Well, it's a whole lot different for a lot of people, that's for sure. But um, there's, uh, there's no fans in the stands, so... <laughs> um, you know that that kind of you know that's it's a little different there. That it's weird, isn't it? There and, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of I guess it's kind of weird that you know, um, you know I, I don't think I've ever I mean every every race I've ever been to there there's been you know obviously fans and stands so uh, you know with that with no fans there it's 
it's definitely a lot different for sure. Well, and you know, it is. And, and I often ask myself this, you know, for example, we watched the Chiefs and the Texans play on Thursday. And the, even though it was a limited amount of fans, uh, and it's an outdoor stadium, so, I mean, it looks to me like that NASCAR could start working toward, and we've seen with IndyCar, obviously not with the 500, uh, and I'm not sure about Mid-Ohio, but I think they're allowing some fans in there at Mid-Ohio this weekend. It looks like that we could find a way to start slowly letting fans back in. What, 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 are, what is NASCAR talking about that? What do you know about the possibility in the near future of, of uh, fans getting able to be back in the stands with NASCAR? Well, the fans have been in the stands for the last couple of weeks, and uh, Bristol next weekend is on that. Uh, limited amount of fans in for the Cup Series race, and those tickets have sold out. But you know, unfortunately, we have a uh, um, you know we, we have a governor in Virginia that you know is very insistent on keeping the state shut down, and um, you know it's a, it's really affected uh, you know a lot of things uh, economically within the state and. Uh, you know, even the proposed college football, they're only going to let a couple hundred people into the stands. And uh, every week it seems to be a moving target, and the goalposts kind of move, it seems, in Virginia on uh, what events are allowed this week and what aren't. So, uh, you know, we, we don't we don't seem to have much consistency as far as that's concerned. And leadership is, is uh, you know, <laughs> the leadership, obviously, here is, is lacking. You know, we're not a political show, and I know sometimes it's hard to to not talk politics and sports in, in the in the same world, especially how it seems like politics and the virus and sports have had a massive head-on uh, collision. But I do wonder, and, and not necessarily with your governor per se, but just. Governors across the uh, the nation, I wonder how much of this virus is politically fed and how much of this is science fed. And and I'm all about taking the right the right precautions. Don't get me wrong; I was personally affected uh, by this coronavirus, so I understand that it's real and that we have to respect it. That we have to 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 make sure that we take the right precautions. But then the other part of it is, and I. It's whatever political party that, that you're a part of, but I think both parties, both parties are guilty of politicizing this virus, and now it's colliding with the sports world. And you know, I, I think and we've talked about this before, but I think so many times that um, the, that we use sports as an escape. From reality, we didn't want reality involved in our sports. I bet if that makes any sense. So, in your mind and your thought, and, and just and that's all it is, is just an opinion. How much do you think if we didn't politicize things that uh, sports would be able to have a better comeback? But then you want to be careful because if you if you open up the gates too fast and then everybody come rushing in and then and then fans start getting the corona and, and God forbid that that people start dying, that's the worst possible case scenario so i understand that you got to play that side of the fence that that says hey we got to be 
you know, maybe err more on, on the on the caution of error. But there has to be that balance somewhere where fans can get back into the stands. And, and again, that's just your opinion. But I'm just what what are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, it's, it's obviously <laughs> a, a balancing act between public safety and just um, you know the you know what what's best you know what's best all around and uh, I think there's two sides to that conversation and it really is and you know NASCAR has done a really good job uh you know they they raced at Daytona they raced at um twice at Daytona um Darlington uh Bristol a couple of months ago and we really haven't heard of really any outbreaks and I think uh an early uh um, you know, weeks ago when they finally did start letting some fans in that uh, I, I think there was a small reported pocket of maybe a dozen or something uh, that, you know, they they couldn't conclusively link back to, to the events, but uh, they kind of uh, indicated that it may be a possibility. And, um, you know, we like I said, we've we had fans in Talladega, a few fans down there. We've had some fans, you know, in Daytona and Darlington, Bristol. Um and, and if we're talking, you know, a dozen cases or so and all those events that were run, um, then uh, NASCAR's doing a good job as far as that, you know, their their safety protocols that they're putting into place and uh you know, I think you know, I think these governors uh need to look at that when they make these decisions whether to allow um you know, whether to allow fans into the stands and, you know, look at the track record of the particular, you know, sporting event and I think NASCAR has done a really good job and you know, I think you know. I think we saw just what a couple of days ago, this past weekend, they've done tens of thousands of tests in the NFL, and um, just you know, a couple dozen cases there. So you know, the 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 protocols that are being put in place are all around seem to be working, and uh, I, I think that should you know also be a factor into whether to allow people in. But you know, if if it if it's a hot spot, maybe you know that they have to change course, but Virginia is in a hot spot and uh you know that we while we do have cases here our cases aren't exploding and our our curve has been going down for months and I think that uh you know it's just an unwillingness um to to move forward and reopen the state we're talking with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor. Well, Justin Algager finally got it done down in Richmond uh, last night in the Gold Bowling uh, 250 in the NASCAR Xfinity Series there at Richmond. Uh, certainly, it was the 34-year-old's uh, uh, first win there at Rich- Richmond after 19 tries at the three-quarter mile track. Uh, breakdown last night's race. And, uh, and then we got another race today at 2 o'clock. Well, there's some really fast cars. And it seemed like Colic Racing with both Ross Chastain and Justin Haley both had some really fast cars. And both of them either were out front or battling for a lead for a good majority of the race. And um, just down there at the end, uh, you know, I, I guess a lot of people, you know, the listen to the TV, it seemed like maybe thought that Justin Algar had 
uh, pull the trigger a little too quickly on, you know, going for a lead and trying to stretch that thing out there. Uh, you know, prior to that, Justin Haley had a, uh, nearly three second lead and the team kind of told him to back it down a little bit, um, you know, not to burn his tires off and, uh, Justin closed up on top of him and, uh, Justin tried to, uh, um, uh, Justin Haley tried to, you know, uh, get back at him and, uh, hoping that uh, he may burn those tires off, but, you know, Justin was able to keep those tires from, from burning off the car and, uh, you know, finally, Finally, uh, went to Victor Lane at Richmond. So we had Justin Allgaier, uh, uh, two Justins in one and two. Uh, Kyle Busch, uh, Austin Cindric, Ross Chastain, Brett Moffat, Michael Annette, and Noah Gregson, Gags Grola, Gags Grola, and Riley Herbst in ending in the top ten. As we roll over in today's race at two o'clock there in Richmond, where what are we looking from? Uh, from the, the top 10 and, and, and certainly from, from the field uh, in today's race? Well, the field will be inverted, the top 15, so that'll put um, Tommy Joe Martin on the on the pole for the race later on today, uh, around 2 o'clock or something, a little after 2. Uh, uh, you know, that that's an underfunded team and, you know, they, they've struggled along the way as an underfunded team. So, uh, you know, it, it, they'll, it, the, there'll be others that'll make quick work of, uh, Tommy Joe Martin, unfortunately, uh, for, for the rest of them. Uh, you know, I think it just depends on how bad they beat their cars down last night and, uh, how much they preserved in their cars to bring it over to today because they've got to use the same cars they raced last night minus uh, some things like changing the brakes and oil and, and, and fluids in the car, things like that, maybe make a few adjustments here or there. But overall, they've got to use that same car. And uh, I think it'll just come down to the fact of uh, who in that, who who throughout the field in general was uh, – uh, you know, able to preserve that car, um, and, and you know, some some of them did get up into the wall last night, and make some scrapes to fall, and um, accomplished for himself will not be in that race in the race later on today. But um, you know, yeah, I just think it really just comes down to who who has saved enough out of that car, um, you know, to make it another 250 laps today. So Grant Effinger is our new uh, truck championship, and I believe that's back-to-back wins uh, championships for him. Am I correct on that? Uh, I I don't remember. I don't remember who the championship last year. It's been so long. (laughs) <laughs> That's fine. Uh, a lot, a lot's happened, but he did win the, this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, season's truck season? Well, uh, you know, Johnny Sauter has struggled a lot this year, and um, just you know, it seems like every week there's an issue either with the truck or with the pit. So, uh, somebody we thought that was going to come into this season and uh, and really be. Uh, you know, have a good season because, you know, Johnny typically uh, has had uh, decent seasons and, uh, you know, just just the, the, the horrible luck and just the pit issues and just the random problems that he's had, I think it's just really kind of uh, hurt him this season. And 
for Grant Amsinger himself. It's, uh, uh, you know, he, he's been very consistent week in and week out. And, but we have some new names up there, like Zane Smith that um, is running for GMS Racing. He's been able to tack a few wins on board this year. He's uh, come out of ARCA and seemed to be really developing in, in the truck series. Um, it, it's, you know, his, his development will continue, but, uh, you know, I think uh, just him being able to tack some of those wins on the board this year has been able to... Uh, you know, put a lot of, uh, you know, forward momentum both in his career and both over at GMS Racing that, um, you know, has, uh, you know, they're they're fielding as many as five five trucks in some of these events. So, uh, you know, to get, get somebody into in victory lane over there, you know, should be happening on a, on a regular occurrence. But uh, I, I just think that his forward progression and, and just development overall will, will is a sign that, uh, you know, within the next, I'd say, two seasons or something like that, maybe that we'll probably see him move over into the Xfinity series. If not sooner, maybe tap a few races, uh, you know, in the next season or so, and then finally move over. I think he's a good candidate that uh, will will uh, will be able to do that. So we'll talk a little bit about some of the news that's going on in NASCAR, and then we'll talk a little bit of uh, IndyCar. Uh, one of the big stories coming out uh, this week is, and in, 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 I thought kind of shocking, and uh, I, I don't really understand all of it behind it, but maybe you can help us back to have it from him. This is from Bubba Wallace, his tweet. Uh, he said, this was not an easy decision, as I have nothing but the utmost respect for Richard Petty and his family, but I believe it's time for someone else to take over the reins at the number 43. Thank you to the King and everyone at Richard Petty Motorsports for giving me the opportunity to start my Cup Series career. I've grown so much as a driver and as a person since joining them. We've got uh, nine more regular se- uh, nine more uh, races together. And I hope that we can finish the 2020 season on a high note. And I think this kind of sent shockwaves uh, with Bubba Wallace. So, and as you might imagine, in social media, it got met with some head-on uh, criticism. So we, we, we could start with both sides of it. First of all, uh, uh, Bubba Wallace is leaving Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, and one of the, the biggest criticisms that he's been getting on social media is that he used uh, the protest, he used everything that we've talked about in the past, uh, trying to be sensitive to the situation, but he used uh, Black Lives Matter as a career platform and a career stepping stone because he's not really that good of a driver. Those are some of the things you're seeing on on uh, social media. And then the other part of it is, you know, he... he I mean, it, I, they're criticizing for it. They're thinking, thinking that maybe he's playing the race card. So what what do we know about this story? What's what's the, what's the let's peel back the onion and let's get to the real deal on this story. Well, um, when it when it comes to it, I, I can, you know, I, I don't I don't think I have really any inside information on to it, but just from the outside looking in, it it seems like there's a lot of frustration there. Um, and, and, and the frustration is coming because Richard Petty Motorsports and the number 43 uh, has just not been very competitive at all. Uh, we've seen Bubba Wallace. He's, he, he's clicked off a couple top tens this season, but 
there's been more incidents than not where he's been running up there inside of the top ten, but eventually, you know, faded or whatever whatever is going on uh, ended up in twentieth or twenty fifth or whatever the case is, you know, somewhere mid pack in the field, and um, I, I think maybe all about fences, but. There's new um, the the team isn't getting better and they're not running any better and even now that they're starting to bring on uh, partners from DoorDash, Casa App, and and others, Columbia, etc. Um, and the money is starting to flow into the team, a team that hasn't you know had a lot of funding you know over the last couple of seasons. Um, you know that that you know that money isn't getting him any more competitive than he was without the money. So uh, I, I just I feel that it's more of a sense of uh, just frustration in the way that they're running at Richard Petty Motorsports and um, how they don't seem to be a factor or very sometimes non-competitive week in and week out where they're, where, they're, where they're consistently ending up in those 20th or so positions at the end of the day and uh, you know, just so few uh, races where they've been competitive that, you know, he uh, feels like that he can take his talent somewhere else and um, wherever that case may be that the that they can, uh, you know, maybe this is the change that, you know, Baba can go somewhere else and be both more competitive at uh, wherever wherever he ends up at, and whoever eventually takes over the 43 may uh, be able to see something that he's not, and maybe the, the team can uh, make a change and be more competitive. So I think he may be looking at both sides of the spectrum at the same time. And I, you know, I just think it's again, I just think it's just a frustration factor in the way. Um, but they're running and how competitive they are week in and week in. Well, the lack of competitiveness week in and week out. Well, and, you know, well, certainly I, I wish uh, Bubba the best of, of luck in his career. Everybody's entitled to go where they feel like is the best. And, you know, it's certainly he was getting a lot of criticism, but in, it, it, it is what it is. It is the society that we're in right now. Another story uh, that is in that is in and around NASCAR revolving, uh, re, uh, talking about a, a, a Wallace. Now, I want to, I'm pretty sure they're of the same family, but Mike Wallace is suspended indefinitely by NASCAR uh, for his insensitivity uh, uh, violations to, uh, from NASCAR. What do we know about that? And first of all, is, is that all part of the same family, aren't they? Mike Wallace, <laughs> Bubba Wallace. No, no, no. They're, they're two different. Uh, Mike Wallace is uh, the brother of uh, Kenny Wallace or Rusty Wallace. And Bubba Wallace is how is he related to the Wallace family? He's not. He's he's not related to them at all. Okay. All right. For some reason, I thought that he was a nephew or something. Okay. All right. Well, that's cleared up. But Mike Wallace is suspended indefinitely from NASCAR. He's going to have to take some sensitivity training. There is no uh, report as to when he is going to be able to return. and again, must be uh, must perform some sensitivity training as directed by NASCAR before even considered for reinstatement. What do we know about this? This this story just seems like it just popped up. I don't think that I heard anything about Mike Wallace and his and his actions until 
I saw this report come out. Well, I've I've seen one of the social media posts, and uh, apparently there's there's more than one, and these are uh, social media posts that are from uh, several weeks back. Um, this isn't something that um, was posted in the last couple of days. Um, this was a uh, um, social media post, and like I said, I've seen one, but uh, apparently there are more um, that. You know, there was some uh, posts made about um, both uh, the the uh, a political candidate and uh, just some pl- politics in general that's going on in the world today. Um, while there was no racial words uh, actually used, um, you know, of those lines, there there was some, uh, I guess, uh, some. Uh, some some sensitive criticisms made and directed towards uh, um, particular political candidates and uh, just politics in general in the world. Um, so, um, you know, again, that that's what I know of the situation. And again, uh, they're from the post that I did see. I did not see any, uh, you know, uh, you know, racial words used or. Uh, or anything like that, but you know there were some sensitive comments made and directed towards a political candidate, and I haven't seen the other, so I can't really say what was in them other than the fact of just the one particular one that I did see. But I can say that they the posts were made weeks ago, um, at some point in August. So let's talk a little bit about IndyCar. IndyCar is uh, doing a doubleheader this weekend out at Mid-Ohio. Uh, certainly, uh, this is the first time we've seen IndyCar on the track since the Indianapolis 500. I also saw a report where, where Sato might be leaving Ray Hall Letterman Racing at the end of 2020. Certainly, there's nothing uh, true that, I, that I've seen in that to be fact, factual-based, just reports. And certainly, I know that... Uh, uh, Rehar Lodeman uh, Racing has said they want to retain Sato. Uh, so uh, what what are the bring us up to speed uh, on the IndyCar uh, world? Uh, well, outside of the Indy 500, I, I really don't know much what's going on uh, <laughs> as far as IndyCar is concerned. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I can't be of much help. I wish Oh, I, I wish I would dedicate some more time to IndyCar, but uh, I, 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 I will say this, that I, I did and I have heard about the, the Sato, about the Sato uh, um, you know, possibly leaving at the end of 2020. And, um, you know, I, I would see why they would want to keep him. Uh, he's a two-time Indy 500 uh, or Indy 500 uh, Indy. Indy 500 champion. Good lord, I'm trying to say Indy, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to say Indy champion, but he's two-time Indy 500 champion. Anyhow, yes, I, I can see why they would want to keep him on. Uh, he's been very competitive. He was competitive at uh, at Gateway just just a week after the Indy 500 itself, and uh, uh, you know I, I think uh, he he had a chance to win there, and uh, he seems to be competitive at other. Uh, at other tracks, and I, I can see why they would want to keep him and uh, uh, just have somebody in the car, both uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, somebody that, you know, has the ability to win, but also, uh, you know, a veteran-type type status that, you know, can, uh, you know, look at these cars and 
see what's going on with him. And, uh, you know, uh, wherever he ends up in 2021, uh, I think Bray Hall Letterman Racing will at least try and make uh, some kind of deal before the end of the season to try and keep him in that car. Well, we saw Jimmy Johnson doing some testing with IndyCar, so uh, we've been talking about Jimmy Johnson possibly doing an Indy 500 run uh, coming up next year, so we'll, we'll, we're keeping our eyes on that. Keeping our eyes on the radar with Mid-Ohio uh, today as uh, there's uh, there's rain in the area, uh, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Steve Welsh from Speedway Digest, we appreciate you joining us. So where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? You can follow at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. You the man. Let's have a good day of racing there in Richmond, sir. Thank you. Talk to you all soon. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, joins us and helps us uh, get brought up to speed, no pun intended, uh, in in the uh, racing world. We are talking about the return of the NFL, and uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show helped us have that conversation. We talked in depth about the return of the Indianapolis Colts with Ken Sterling from KenSterling.com, and uh, we are going to continue our conversations here in just a moment uh, with uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast, and he's filling in, uh, pinch hitting for uh, Ed Kratz, who's traveling with the Philadelphia Eagles as they take on the Washington, and I almost said Redskins, uh, the Washington team from Washington in D.C. My name's Tom Mark with Sal Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. 
Mark Michelle, President J. 9178895816. We got three quarters of the show in the books, in the can, as they would say. Thanks to Mo from the BS Sports Show. Kent Sterling from KentSterling.com and Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. And we're continuing to talk about the NFL coming back and helping us out today. And uh, subbing in for Ed Kratz is Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Tony, happy Saturday to you. How is you? Good, good, man. Big, uh, big Saturday. Had plenty of sports to keep us uh, to keep us busy. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that game on Thursday. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, we we we're talking about one win, and I know a lot of people are 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 you know on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs bandwagon. And as Kent Sterling said, let's slower train. Everybody's saying they might be going a uh, uh, sixteen to zero, but I think it was a, certainly a good showing of the Kansas City Chief and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of got off to a slow start, which is what we're used to with the Chiefs, right? We saw it in the Super Bowl. We saw them come back and win after trailing seven times last year. They fall to, they get down to the Texans 7 nothing, and then absolutely turn along, scoring 31 on answer on their way to a 34-20 to win. So, um, you know, you, you, you kind of looked at it like, you know, are they going to be slow? Is the timing going to be a little bit off? What's going to happen? But uh, at the end of the day, the Chiefs fired on all cylinders on their way to a one of those starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was a, I think it was a great uh, a great start. And you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but don't you think that uh, that we didn't see as many many penalties at the beginning of the game? I think we were like twelve minutes in before we saw uh, the first penalty. And I think that the, the refs did a good job of just letting them play football. Yeah, that's kind of what you want to see, especially you know when you look at the NBA playoffs. It seems like there's always a foul call within side of ten seconds that kind of stirs the outcome of the game, but. Yeah, uh, good discipline football on both sides, which, you know, you never know what's going to happen heading into the first game where you didn't get to hit anybody and you haven't had any preseason games. So, yeah, kudos to the officials and the players, I guess, for uh, not being penalized. So, you know, we a lot of people, depending on what side of the coin that you're on on this situation, uh, thought that there would be a lot of uh, issues with uh, the political stuff and the and the uh, sensitive part of the world uh, life that we're having right now. and. And so I, I felt like they handled everything. I, I'm okay with the way, the way everything was handled. I mean, yeah, you, you may not be a fan of the political stuff on the scoreboards, and you may not be a fan of this or that or the other, but I'm, I'm totally okay with the Texans staying in the locker room. But one of the things that I thought, well, at least at least it's, it's better than what it could have been, and it's better than what it has been. And, and I, they, even if I agree or don't agree with it, the, the the Chiefs and the the, the uh, Texans joined armed in arm and, and that got a lot of recoil if you will and JJ Watt uh, wasn't really too happy about that too. so we'll we'll talk about that real quickly and then we're going to move on to the games of the week because I think that there's way more important things to talk about football than than the protests it's as sensitive as we need to be about what's going on in our world right now I, I don't think that it has to to take up our entire space, our entire brain space, if you will. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, so I, I, I thought that everything was handled was handled nicely, and and uh, depends on what side of the coin you're on. But um, I've always been okay with players using their platform um, to bring attention to things that they feel are concerning. Uh, so I was okay. The only thing I, I really wasn't okay with that, that was very classless of the of the Chiefs fans to boo. 
while both teams came together. Um, so there's there's issues out there in this world right now that are bigger than football, and kudos to all the players that realize that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm totally on board with that with you. So we're going to walk around the NFL. Uh, you're you're pinch hitting for uh, uh, Ed Kratz, who's traveling with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's one of uh, 12, I guess there's like, 30, you tell me there's like 30 people that cover the Eagles on a regular basis and only uh, 12 people got to uh, travel to Washington to, to cover it. So he was fortunate enough to be one of those with SI.com. And, and so I appreciate you jumping in with us. So we usually do start with the Eagles. So let's start with the Eagles at Washington. I don't see any major red flags here that says uh, that the Eagles uh, will have any issues on the road against Washington in week one. Yeah, uh, the Eagles are an interesting team because you really don't know what they're going to be able to bring to the table. Washington uh, obviously has had some things go wrong outside of the football field, but uh, I would expect the Eagles to roll uh, with a two-touchdown win tomorrow. So we got to go on our on our homework card. We, we played the homework card a little bit earlier with Kid Sterling, uh, but the Colts are back. And uh, you know what? I think that this is going to be – I mean, a lot of people, a lot of fans don't like Phillip Rivers. And, uh, Debbie's uh, changed people's opinions quite a lot, or, or else will solidify it quite a lot. But I, I really like the Colts, their outlook this year. I'm taking it one week at a time as a diehard Colts fan. But the Colts go on the road and get a W in Jacksonville. If they don't, man, are we going to hear it loud, loud, loud here in Indianapolis. Yeah, the Colts have struggled to uh, get off on the right foot when it comes to the first week of the season. I think they're, what, one for six, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I would just say this. It's like, look. With the Colts, as you mentioned, it's, it's a week-by-week approach. There's a lot of unknowns on that offensive side of the football. Can T.Y. Hilton stay healthy? Can some of these rookies step up and play well? Will Naheem Hines, Marlon Mack, and Jonathan Taylor be able to produce in the backfield as a three-headed monster when it comes to the running game? Can Phillip Rivers stay healthy? Can Phillip Rivers revert back to what he was two years ago? Um, there's a lot of can they and what ifs that I think go into this Colts season, so um, if you're going to ask me for a prediction, I would probably say nine and seven um, because, I mean, what, it's so hard to predict heading into a football season what a team's going to do because a team that plays tomorrow is not going to be the same team when they roll out on, on, on week 10. So I'll be really interested to see what the Colts do. They should win tomorrow in Jacksonville, as we know, uh, but they're going to have some major on the start of the season. So there may be some, some false hope for the Colts to start the year because I think that they will – start the year nicely maybe four and one five and one but then they get into a very tough part of the schedule so um as you mentioned it's a it's a wait and see approach for me on the Colts do the Colts win the AFC South it's a really good question uh we saw that the Texans have a hard time getting things going on offense we learned that already um you don't know what Tennessee is going to do that rushing game is normally their best option but again when you become so one-sided it turns out that, you know, defenses really uh, can, can adjust to that and, and make you throw the football. Do I think the Colts are going to win the AFC South? I'm going to say no, but I do think that they can be a wild card team. 
Well, we know that teams can go far from the wild card position at times, so uh, we'll, we'll certainly uh, see see how that plays out. We're just going to kind of walk around the NFL, uh, get through some of these games. Just give us your thoughts, and, and I know you're the betting guy on the show here, so I don't cover the, the unders and of, uh, overs, but maybe you know what they are as we get to these games, and maybe you could give us some good betting advice uh, and uh, – I know that I don't know if you endorse any particular betting uh, system, but feel free to, to name drop any uh, betting uh, system if you want to go right ahead. We'll go with the Jets and the Bills, sir. Yeah, this is one of my best plays of the week. Uh, but if you follow me on Twitter at Tony Indy, um, I do give out some picks uh, subscription-based, and I've got some awesome promo codes if you want to try out Bet MGM or Bet Rivers. I've got some awesome 100% match promo codes that you can use. The Bills, this is probably my number one play of the week. I think they'll have no problem with the Jets. Uh, the Jets offense that has continued to struggle and proven that they're going to continue to struggle. Um, I like the Bills big time here coming up tomorrow. Packers at the Vikings. Yeah, it's a very interesting game. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, that's all that talk about. Is he going to come back next year? Where? Where is he going to be? What's, what's going to happen? The Vikings, very tough place to play. You kind of take the home field advantage out of it, however, because as we know, there's not going to be as many fans as usual. Um, I think the Packers are getting three points in this game. I like Green Bay to start the season off 1-0. The Browns have traveled to Baltimore and meet the Ravens. Um, <laughs> this is a tough one because don't you – we've been waiting for the Browns to make a move and step up and do something. And they simply haven't. The Ravens are the best team in the AFC besides the Chiefs. It's going to come down to those two teams again, but we're just waiting to see the Browns do something. So if you're going to bet this game, tread lightly, probably think the Ravens win. So this is going to be, uh, it's, it's still weird rolling off the tongue, calling it the Las Vegas Raiders. So we'll just call them the Raiders. And then my granddaughter and my son's team, my granddaughter's favorite team as they live in North Carolina is the Panthers. I always got a root for the Panthers uh, in spite of it all as they're, uh, you know, I got I to gotta be loyal to my granddaughter's team. But the Raiders at the Panthers. Yeah, the Panthers, you just don't know. Cam Newton leave. The defense is good. You still got a great weapon in Christian McCaffrey. The Raiders, again, you know, show signs of brilliance when Derek Carr throws four interceptions. So I expect it's going to be an ugly defensive struggle. Um, if I was going to bet this game, I would definitely take the under. But just to simply stay away from me, I think the Raiders win late on a field goal. Well, the Bears against the Lions, and we talked a little bit about this with Kent Sterling, but the Bears decided that they're going to ride with uh, 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 with their man Mitch and <laughs> and pass on the number one uh, number one number two quarterback in the NFL, and that's Nick Foles. Uh, the Bears are are on the road against the Lions. So, what are your thoughts about uh, the Bears? And you scratch your head about they do half the time anyway. Yeah, um, another one of those underplays, I think. I think points are going to be at a premium on this one. Um, I think the the Bears will go to Nick Foles by about week five or week six. He's a guy that has proven in the past that he can step in halfway through a season and, and lead the charge on a team. So um, I would take a small play on the under here. I think the Lions get it done 21-17. Seahawks are on the road in Atlanta against uh, the Falcons. 
Yeah, the Seahawks are a team that, you know, they they got there, and then last year you thought they were making teams, and then they, they were making strides, and then obviously the 49ers were the class of the NFC West. I like the Seahawks to go to Atlanta. Atlanta, you know, hasn't really been able to recover from blowing that 28-3 to lead over New England in the Super Bowl. be interesting to see um, Seattle. My only concern with them is just simply going to almost the East Coast to play a football game. That's a that's that's about a 10 a.m. start for them. So look for a slow start out of both teams and the Seahawks to win by seven. So the Dolphins are on the road to New England, and then we're going to get a, a glimpse of the New England Patriots in the post-Tom Brady era. Uh, certainly both, uh, everybody's looking at the at the Buccaneers, and everybody's looking at the Patriots all because of Tom Brady. Uh, but I still don't think the Dolphins have what it takes to beat uh, the Patriots without Tom Brady. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be interesting game to watch because you've got Cam Newton under center for New England. How's he going to adjust to the Bill Belichick offense? And then uh, um, to attack Viola, who uh, is a guy that you know right behind Joe Burrow is the number one, the number two quarterback in this draft. How's he going to play? What's he going to look like? So this should be an interesting game. Um, I would give the edge by ten to New England. 21, probably 24-14, but, but we'll see how Tua can adjust and uh, play his first road NFL game. Well, we've got the Chargers against, you mentioned Joe Burrow. Uh, he makes his debut, his first home game debut uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, what are your thoughts, the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, and the uh, Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, the Chargers, you know, with Tyrod Taylor, you're just not sure. Uh, coming coming east. I think Joe Burrow's got a chance to uh um to to make some big time plays before the Chargers can adjust. Don't be surprised there's a little bit of an upset here and we see we see uh the Bengals go one and zero in the season. So the Cardinals against the 49ers, a lot of a lot of uh Stoke has made with the 49ers this year uh to have another really good season. Uh the Cardinals and the 49ers. Yeah, I think the I think the I think the Cardinals are a team that's bound to take a step forward, and the 49ers are a team that are bound to take a step back. I think Kyler Murray with a big weapon in DeAndre Hopkins right now, uh, that's going to elevate their offensive level. That's going to bring um, an amazing new um, element to the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are going to be a fun sleeper team to watch this year. Um, I think the Niners do win this game, but I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. Well, another game that a lot of people are going to be watching, and in two quarterbacks uh, that if we if we want to talk about a, a quarterback Super Bowl, and that is uh, uh, tomorrow when the Buccaneers and Tom Brady and Drew Brees with the, with the, the Saints and Tom Brady with the Buccaneers. Tom Brady makes his debut as a Buck. Uh, certainly a lot of things to watch with this game, but this is certainly one of the games of the week to watch. Yeah, it certainly is the game of the week of the watch, and, and you just hope that as a as a casual sports fan tuning in, that you know you see a lot of a lot of scoring. You know, I'd love to just see a lot of scoring. You know, thirty eight, thirty one, forty five, thirty eight. I think would be awesome, and I think it's possible. We'll see how Tom Brady and Gronkowski adjust to their new homes. Uh, and this is it. This is the last year here for the Saints. They're going to have to pretty much dismantle that team to pay off a lot of people. Um, so. There's gonna, they're going to have to make some decisions. Guys like Alvin Kamara and such um, are going to ha- either have to be brought back or let go. So it's, it's do or die this year for the Saints. Uh, I think we're in for one of the best games we'll see all year tomorrow. 
Cowboys are at the Rams in L.A. Yeah, you, you, the the Rams and the Cowboys are two teams where one week they look like, yeah, we've got a chance to, to go all the way to the Super Bowl, and the next week they just look absolutely awful. Uh, I think this will be a low-scoring defensive struggle. I expect a late touchdown by the Rams uh, to get a to get a nice win, but but a low-scoring contest here tomorrow. Well, we've got another we've got a, a doubleheader uh, Monday Night Football tomorrow. Uh, we've got the Steelers at the Giants, and we'll start there. So uh, the Steelers visit the Giants. What are your thoughts about Big Ben and the Steelers and the Giants? Yeah, um, I was talking about this last night with my buddy Bob Lovell. I'm all about any kind of doubleheaders we can get, whether it's IndyCar, whether it's NASCAR, whether it's baseball. And they have a Monday night doubleheader coming up on Monday night. Should be, uh should be a lot of fun. The Giants, you know, still trying to, to rebuild. Uh, Daniel Jones under center. The Steelers kind of on the last leg of Ben Roethlisberger. This game's intriguing because you got the old crappy veteran team that you think should win. But I think the Giants are going to pull out all the stops on this one with Saquon Barkley. Barkley going against one of his favorite teams um, as a kid. This is going to be a little bit closer, I think. I'm going to give the Steelers the nod at 31-28. Well, I'm with you. Uh, I'm I'm all about the doubleheaders, especially when it comes to, um, to football or IndyCar or, or whatever. Now we, we we talk about the Tennessee Titans. This is the last game of the of the week on Monday Monday night. The Tennessee Titans uh, are taking on the Broncos. And we look at uh, McClowney uh, Clowney uh, with the Titans as to be a serious weapon, uh, not only for the Titans, but uh, certainly uh, uh, in the AFC South, which is certainly in the same division as the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to have a lot of eyes on the Titans this year, and certainly a lot of people like the Titans too. To, to advance well, and so uh, uh, Clowney is uh, is certainly going to be a serious weapon for them uh, in 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 this season. So the Titans, Clowney, they get they're up against the Broncos. AFC South pitcher, look out. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the Broncos will be without Von Miller. We learned so interesting to see how this one plays out. With you know, that's one of the toughest places to play as far as. You know, not only the uh, the altitude, but the fans. And since we know there's not going to be as many fans there as possible, I think the Titans' running game is really going to take over this game. Uh, I expect the Titans to have a small advantage in this one. But I think the, the, the common consistency that you and I have talked about here, Tom, over the last 10 minutes is this effect. There's a lot of good games coming up tomorrow and on Sunday – or and on Monday. And, it, and that's tough to do sometimes. That's really tough knowing the fact that you don't know what teams are going to be like, especially in week one. You don't know exactly how they're going to look or what they're going to present. Um, so to have, you know, I would say probably, you know, every NFL game for a lot of people is must watch. I'm not a diehard fan as everybody else might be, but there are certainly four to five, maybe even six games that are certainly intriguing that I'm going to sit down and watch coming up tomorrow or Monday. I'm going to tell you what, that's a late start. So normally I would say, man, you know, us people that's got to go to work. But, you know, here's the good thing about one of the good things about the virus. We're all working from home. So guess what? If I sleep in just a little bit, the boss isn't going to know. Isn't going to know. He, hopefully he isn't listening right now. <laughs> yeah. So, I, mean, I wish I could work from home, but unfortunately in, this, in my business I can't. But that is certainly a, a blessing in disguise for a lot of people, I'm sure. Yeah, and but I tell you what, it, 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 we always could work from home even before all of this happened. Uh, but I tell you what, it, it, 
it was like three weeks ago because they gave us new laptops, but I had to go in and, and turn in my old laptop and get my new laptop. And that was the first time I'd been in the office. And I was just like, it was so weird going in the office and seeing people that we hadn't seen in months. So it was, uh, it was really kind of a, 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 a weird uh, feeling, but it's, you know, it's the new normal, I guess. And, and, and I certainly don't look for anything to, to change uh, here in the, in the near future, but real quickly here, let's, uh, we had our fantasy football draft this past week and, and it looked like you did relatively well, but I, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about some of the, uh, uh, the fantasy advice to uh, uh, fantasy players uh, for week one. Um, yeah, that was tough. I didn't expect uh, an 18 team league. I don't think I've ever done a league that, that much. <laughs> so if you're in an 18, 18 team league, which more than likely you're probably not because those rarely exist. Uh, make sure you get a couple quarterbacks because you don't want to get to that bye week in week seven or eight. And you're going, Oh crap. Uh, both of my quarterback, one's a backup and one doesn't have a game this week. So, um, yeah, just advice. I mean, look for guys. I, I always think running backs are a dime a dozen. You could always go pick up a running back on the on the waiver wire if it's a 12 or a 10-team league. Um, wide receivers, you know, you want to try to get as many number ones as possible. And you want to get a quarterback, you know, that one is reliable uh, and has weapons. Um, I don't really worry too much about defense and special teams or kickers. Um but you got to get somebody that you know is going to be consistent at a number one option week in and week out, or you're simply not going to have a chance. Talking with Tony Donahue of Tony D uh, Podcast, filling in for Ed Kratz. And, and, Tony, I know one of the other things that, that you uh, like and follow a lot is IndyCar. IndyCar uh, doubleheader this weekend, uh, today and tomorrow, out at Mid-Ohio. It looks like there might be some rain in the area to, to deal with. I like Mid-Ohio. It's a, it's a, uh, a great course to watch it. I don't know this to be fact, but I'm thinking that because of the way the structure of that track is that they are going to allow fans in there or they don't. I don't know the answer to that. Do you? Yeah, a certain amount of fans that are allowed to be in the racetrack today. Uh, Mid-Ohio is really cool because it's a long road course. You can go walk around, see different sidelines, and there's plenty of room to social distance, just like there was plenty of room that I thought the social distance um, – at the Indianapolis 500. But at the end of the day, they are allowing fans in Mid-Ohio. Uh, practice one just went green, so that's underway. Uh, we'll see if anybody can track down Scott Dixon, which you and I both know is going to be uh, a hard mm-hmm. a hard deal to come about. Uh, but on top of that, we'll see if some of these young guns that have had good runs all year, like Felix Rosenquist, like Colton Herta, like Renus VK, like Jack Harvey, can step up. Uh, I had a conversation on my podcast. If you're going to check it out on my Twitter, at Tony D. Indy with the Indianapolis 500 winner on Wednesday. Uh, I talked to Takuma Sato, and that was a very long-winded uh, conversation, and we went into depth about a lot of things. So if you haven't checked that out and you're a racing fan, um, it, it's great. He, uh, he goes into detail about wanting the race, what life is like later on that day. I think his quote was, my body just became somebody else's because you're going to all these different things and you're getting moved in all these different directions. And I said, yeah, I could definitely see that. So um, great conversation with Kumasato, and we'll see uh, what this doubleheader, what, what these guys can do. And we'll get that we'll get that podcast up on our social media as well, so that everybody can can take a listen. And you know, I'm glad you brought up Soda because that was a good uh, uh, segment segue to my next question. Uh, I mean, you know how rumors fly. He's a two-time uh, Indy Indy uh, 500 champion. Uh, Ray Hart Letterman wants to keep him, but rumors are flying that uh, he's on the market. 
No, they certainly are because his contract is up. And, and if you remember, he was with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing for a long time, almost won the 500 in 2012, then went over to Foyt, had some struggles, then went to Andretti, uh, ends up winning the 500, goes back to Ray Hall. Um, my, my, my gut tells me that he will stay with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. He's 43 years old which would, would normally be a concern, don't get me wrong, as you know, as a driver, but look what he just did. I mean, he just won the Indianapolis 500, and nobody else can bring that to a resume right now and say, I'm the defending winner of the 500. Um, on top of that, we see what Dixon has been able to do at his age, and I think with sponsorship and the backing of Honda and Panasonic, I certainly expect for Takuma Sato to be back in that car next year, possibly a two-year deal. Uh, and then you kind of go from there. Because uh, really, if you look at the free agent market, who else is going to be out there and what other seats are going to be available? Does Sato go back to Andretti? You know, after their performance so far this year, I, I'm not so sure that going to Andretti for a third or fourth car, being a third or fourth car is better than being the second car at Ray Hall. I would prefer that second car at Ray Hall. So I think Colin, which I don't think is going to happen because we know that they're going to they're going to bring Jimmy Johnson in for the road courses and possibly bring mm-hmm. a veteran driver in to run the ovals for that car. Um, I think we're going to see Takuma Sato back uh, next year and the year after for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing. Yeah, we saw Jimmy Johnson in the cockpit. Uh, of a, uh, didn't he do some testing uh, this week uh, with uh, Canassi? So it certainly looks like that that's a deal. I don't know if it's a full-time deal, but it certainly looks like it could be a, a future in a, a 2021 Indianapolis 500 deal uh, with Jimmy Johnson. And certainly as he rounds out uh, his season uh, with, with, with NASCAR. Uh, Tony Donahue the Tony D Podcast. We appreciate you jumping in for us today and helping us out with our NFL segment. And uh, where can people find your work and masterpieces? What are you working on this week? Yeah, really looking forward to uh, Jimmy Johnson getting on the road courses next year, and we'll see uh, who Ganassi decides to put in that car, maybe for the Indianapolis 500, maybe Juan Pablo Montoya or Elio Castroneves. Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter at Tony D Indy. Uh, my podcast, the Tony D Podcast, is available uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And, uh, you know, it's a crazy day as we talked about, Tom. You've got NHL, NBA, college football, the U.S. Open final, you know, IndyCar, NASCAR, hockey. Uh, so outside of the NFL, I think everybody's playing or, 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 or at least getting after it today. So I'm certainly looking forward to a day of just relaxing. Yeah, sounds like a good day for beer drinking and sports betting. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, there, there is no doubt about it. All right, Tony, you have yourself a good weekend. We appreciate you, sir. All right, take care. Bye. Thank you. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. We'll get his podcast up on our social media uh, and listen to that interview from Sato. I'm sure it was very, very good. I'll make sure that I listen to it today as well. Uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Thank you, Mo, from the Bears Sports Show for joining us and helping us kick things off today and, and helping us to talk a, a little bit about the return of the NFL it, it, it is it is back. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Thank you to uh, Steve Wilson, and also thank you to Ken Sterling from KenSterling.com. Um, remember, don't drink a drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.